Welcome to the High Road to Leadership, a journey to the heart of success and significance. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and today I've got an amazing guest for this episode. I want you to meet Kathleen Coke. Kathleen is an international speaker on disaster and resilience and a founder of LeadersLink, the first nonprofit to harness and share elected officials' disaster lessons learned to help other communities better prevent, prepare for, and recover from similar crises. Coke is also an award-winning former journalist and author who for 18 years was a CNN Washington correspondent covering the White House, Pentagon, and Capitol Hill, as well as numerous disasters, including 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina. She currently writes op-eds for CNN.com, USA Today, U.S. News, and World Report, and other publications. I could go on and on because Kathleen's um, accomplishments are significant, but I have to make a personal introduction. I met Kathleen just following Hurricane Michael in Panama City in fall of 2018. Category 5 hurricane had smacked us hard. Kathleen, I have to welcome you first as I tell this story. I thank you for coming then, and I thank you for coming now. (laughs) You're so welcome, Beverly. Um, You know... Um, when you go through, when you experience disaster yourself, um, you know, I grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, starting in middle school. And, and after Hurricane Katrina, you know, the devastation that my community um, experienced and that I covered as a reporter for CNN um, and then wrote a book about and did documentaries on, you know, it just makes you really, it connects you with people who've experienced other disasters and you really want to share what you've learned. And so I, I just had to get down to Panama City to talk to people like you to let you know um, what was coming. Uh, obviously, you knew, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but that you get through it. Well, I tell you, I remember that day very clearly because we had to drive through a wrecked part of town. Of course, what part of town wasn't wrecked? And, you know, the trees uh, were just hanging and broken, and the building was broken. We met in a community center that didn't have heat, and it was December, and it was cold, and everybody had on their jackets, and the lights But it had electricity, right? (laughs) And it had a roof, right? Which was kind of rare. I know. It worked. (laughs) And I can remember thinking, you came here into this mess to give us a message of hope. And one of my favorite quotes about leadership has always been, leaders are dealers in hope. So forever, well, forevermore, that's who (laughs) Kathleen Koch will be to me, is she is my personal dealer in hope. Because you came that day and conveyed that we would get through it. And I remember I, I... I had trouble believing it until you even had managed to bring a projector and show us pictures of your hometown right after Hurricane Katrina and then as an award-winning destination. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh my gosh, I have hope. And I can. I also never forget that you said it's going to probably take about four years until things begin to look normal. And now, two and a half years into this, I can see, oh, you were right. You were right. But that's 
that's such a, a special. You're right. The the bond that um, and the respect that I uh, that I had for you that day, and then the fact that through our aftermath, you know, you, we continued to stay in touch as, and you put me in touch with. Uh, environmental ecologists and people that helped me understand what was going on. So this has led you to start the nonprofit that you work with now, Leaders Link. Leaders Link. Well, you know, it it actually started um, a few years back before that because, um, you know, I just saw during Hurricane Katrina, how communities with wise, optimistic leadership thrived while those without it faltered. And and it was actually um, around the time of Superstorm Sandy, you know, when that hit the Jersey Shore and New York and and parts of Connecticut, um, I saw little communities on the Jersey Shore that were very similar in, in size and also in in some of them, to the devastation that some of our communities experienced from Katrina on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But the one difference was their leaders were novices when it came to disaster recovery, and ours were experts. So I started partnering them up, you know, offering basically a disaster mentor to any of the elected officials on the Jersey Shore, you know, at the, the county or the city level who wanted one. And, you know, some of those partnerships just took off. And I went, hey, you know, maybe I'm onto something here. Because I, I really think, you know, just as I wanted to share what I learned with the people in your community, these elected officials who went through Katrina wanted to share what they learned with others. And it was a healing experience for them, too. So everyone gets something out of it. And so that's how um, Leaners Link was born, because we were just really focused on harnessing, again, and sharing those you know, that institutional knowledge that you can only acquire when you've gone through a disaster yourself. You know, you can participate in drills, and I think, I think that's very important. You can do tabletops, and you can take classes, and you can read books, but there's nothing like experience uh, to really bring home to you what you're going to need as a leader to lead your community through something. And and so, you know, that's what Leaders Link is all about. And, and it's, you know, we're still growing, but every time we help one city, you know, one mayor, that's an entire city or an entire county we helped. So I, I tell other people in the nonprofit world, you know, don't sweat if, if you're not helping um, you know, every state in the country or as many people as you think. You know, the world may see was one person, but to one person or one community, you may be the world. So, so keep pushing. That is a profound statement. And you used the words wise, optimistic leadership. And that really rang my bell. So that kind of leads me to the question of I'd like to, I'd like to hear your insight into what are some of the key qualities and attributes that you've observed are you know who hasn't been through a disaster now that we've had the pandemic <laughs> you know all, right. all of us have had to uh, be aware of coping with the unexpected and undesirable. So talk to me about what you've learned from watching leaders in action and what works and what doesn't. Well, I think um, 
You hit the nail on the head, Beverly, with we're, we're, you know, we've all been through what is essentially a, a long, slow-moving disaster, uh, the pandemic. And one of the first things I think we've all learned, you know, remember a little over a year ago, the rush on the grocery stores, how the shelves were empty, the panic. Um, crises reveal people's true natures, for better or for worse. And so uh, we saw that as individuals. Again, we saw people who went and bought up every you know, speck of toilet paper that they could get that was on the shelves, way more than they would ever need. And then there were others who went and bought just what they needed. And so we learned, um, you know, again, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> during during a crisis or a disaster. And it's the same thing if you're uh, a leader of a, you have a business. Uh, you, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw a lot, you learned a lot about the people who work for you, about the people who partner with you, a lot about yourself. And um, this was also a time, I think, when we realized it was so important to have supportive partnerships in advance that you could really rely on because you weren't going to get through this. And we're still in it. I'm not saying it's over by any stretch of the imagination, but you weren't going to get through this without someone who had your back. And that's one of the lessons that we teach elected officials uh, about disasters and crises. You know, you don't want to be exchanging business cards in the middle of a debris field. You know, you need to have those pre-existing relationships with people who you can count on and multiple people, you know, because in this case, so many uh, different suppliers of businesses, they ran out of product themselves. So you needed to have not just supplier A, but you needed to have supplier B and C waiting in the wings. So that was one of the first things that I really noticed. Okay. So on an individual basis, as far as leadership qualities now, do you, what would you advise a leader of a city or an organization? I know you're working with communities and cities, uh, but of course, the individual people that lead those places. What would you say is one of the most highly valued besides networking and relationships? I, I keep hearing that from you, and I that resonates with me because I'm all about heart based leadership, which is extremely relational. I always say that the quality of your life is based on the quality of your relationships and the quality of your relationships are based on the quality of your communication. So let's talk about that a little bit. What would you, let's just say a budding leader, somebody that's just out of college and moving into leadership and wanting to be the best they can be for the unexpected ahead, what would you tell them to work on? I think you you made a really important point there with communication. And communication, there are two parts of it, right? There's the delivering of information, and there's the receiving of information. And I think sometimes leaders uh, spend a bit too much time on the delivering of information because they're the boss. They're the leader. They, and I don't hope everyone doesn't think this, but a lot of them think they know it all. Right. So I think there's a sh- there is a bit of a deficit when it comes to listening. And I think that's so important right now um, as we are figuring our way out of this pandemic. Uh, but this applies during any crisis. It is so important to listen. OK, if you um, again are a head of a business, a company, um, Right now, you are trying to figure out uh, how how you move forward, 
and and you are having to be concerned about things you didn't you weren't concerned about in the past you know health and welfare of your of your I, w- I wouldn't say you weren't concerned about you are but you are more in the weeds about the health of your your employees than ever before um, so I'm kind of diverging a little bit away from your advice for newbies but I'll, but I'll get to some there but um, but I think right now leaders need to be listening listening to their workers listening to what people think about the way forward uh, during disasters and crises, uh, we tell our leaders it's very easy to, as you proceed, you want to do things to and for people. You want to help them. You want to take care of them. But it is what you're trying to do will be much better received if you bring them into the, into it, if you do things with people. People tend to support what they help create. So so there's some advice for, for a newbie leader as you're proceeding forward. Seek always to listen and do things with. Um, you may have great ideas, but, you know, you don't learn if you're always talking. When do you learn? You learn when you stop talking and you listen. So keep that in mind, uh, and, and that will stand you in good stead because you might be surprised about the ideas of people around you that could improve the, the great idea, the great plans you have for your future enterprise, your future invention. But if you don't ask and you don't stop talking and start listening, you'll never know. That, that's so key, so key. I'm taking notes and I'm listening. And that is another reason I have to thank you. One of my uh, motivations, I have to admit, is in doing this podcast is a little selfish because I thought that the way I can become a better person is by being around great people and like you and listening oh, and you. learning <laughs> and paying attention. So that brings me to another question that the people that we learn from, you know, you've as a journalist, interviewed a lot of very well-known people. You've met the movers and the shakers and, you know, moved in the circles in Washington, D.C. But I have to ask, who are, it doesn't have to be one, but tell me about some of the people who have impressed you the most from and left a, an impression on you from a leadership standpoint with their integrity and, and leadership ability. That's that's hard because there are so many. Um, I have to I have to actually I'm going to talk about one. I will tell you because he passed away a, a few years ago. But this was someone who um, I met as a young correspondent when I first arrived in Washington in um, in 1984, and that was then Congressman John McCain. And uh, I was quite impressed with his accomplishments up until that point. I mean, obviously, he was a war hero. Uh, his history as, as a fighter pilot, having been shot down in 1967 um, over Vietnam, taken prisoner by the North Vietnamese. Uh, when he ejected, he broke both arms and, and one leg. He, uh, when he was dragged out of the the river, the, I think it was a lake that he landed in, the Vietnamese, they, you know, bayoneted him and broke his shoulder. And then he was, he was held for five and a half years. He was brutally tortured. Uh, and when he was offered the chance to 
be released early um, when the Vietnamese uh, realized it was his father who had been named commander of um, all U.S. forces in Vietnam. John McCain said no. He said, no, that's not the way things work here. Um, we have a rule in as far as POWs, first in, first out. And that was the credo they followed. So the officers who were released in the order in which they'd been captured. And he said, no, I'm not taking any special treatment, any special favors. So I was, I guess I was impressed with that from the start. Uh, you know, someone who, who had served in, the, you know, volunteered to serve in the military. His father, his grandfather had been in the military, so it was part of his family history. Um, but then to, to put others before himself and to undergo, uh, you know, what he did for five and a half years was just remarkable. So um, I was a little bit intimidated by him because I knew um, he didn't suffer fools lightly. And then in the years to come, as he was elected senator and, um, and then went on to, you know, lead so many, uh, you know, to take the lead in so many important uh, measures in Congress. Uh, campaign finance reform was one that was successful. Immigration reform was one that was not successful. But I appreciated the maverick in him. I appreciated the way he, uh, you know, he did what he believed was right. Uh, he put the, the country before party. And I think that is very rare. Uh, to, it, it's difficult anytime. I think it's incredibly difficult right now. And and I appreciated and respected that in him. But then Beverly, I also saw um, other interesting things, you know, when he ran for president and when he, he lost. You know, I think you really see what someone is made of when they are brought to their lowest point. And then that, um, and many people may not remember it, it was a long time ago to um, 2008, but when he, the um, the concession speech that he made when he lost was so humble, so eloquent, and so unifying, you know, at a time when he could have blasted Barack Obama, um, been angry and bitter, he wasn't. And um, he showed such a leadership and um, he also had a great sense of humor. Um, I uh, participated in many events that he did um, in the years after I left CNN, starting um, left CNN in 2009. And he would often be on my panels, and I would always introduce him and mention the fact that he had been a candidate for president. And he would, he had, again, terrific sense of humor. He would laugh and he'd say, well, Kathleen, you know, thank you for mentioning that. Yes, ever since uh, I, I lost, you know, I, I've slept like a baby, you know, sleep for three hours, wake up and cry, sleep for three hours, wake up and cry. <laughs> so he, um, he would, he had this self-deprecating sense, sense of humor. And, and then at the end, you know, when he was diagnosed with brain cancer, the glioblastoma that he had, you know, he kept working, he kept pushing forward. Um, he was no fan of the um, Affordable Care Act. But then, in, you know, in 2017, as he was getting his treatment for brain cancer, and he was asked to come on the floor of the U.S. Senate and pass the defining vote that would have killed that measure, um, he said no. He couldn't bring himself to, while well, he was getting the best health care available in the country, to, um, to take that very access to health care away from millions of Americans. And it was a tough decision because he thought the Affordable Care Act could be made better. Uh, so it was just, he was someone who I thought 
in so many ways. I didn't agree with everything he did or said. I, I don't think there's anyone um, who I agree with 100% on the face of the earth. But um, he showed such courage. Um, he always, I believe, put our country before himself, no matter what. And um, again, just someone I, I admire immensely. And I'm sorry for going on so long. I tell you what, it it honestly gave me goosebumps as far as when you have the ability to to learn from a leader like that. You know, so many people, their leaders of influence are are historical figures because it's hard to find people in the flesh like that don't disappoint you and don't you know because we're all we're all human. We can all fail. We can all fall. We can all make bad decisions. But I, because you talked about him, and I think of him as a patriot, that he was a true patriot. Because of that, it actually leads me to a question I wasn't sure I was going to bring up, because you are in a unique position. You are working with leaders. You're still very much an influencer, and you've learned from so many influencers. And today... We see such um, a disparity in America and people don't trust anything they hear. They don't know who to trust. They used to trust the news and the media. And I'm not going to throw any rocks there because I feel like the 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 social media, the tw- last 20 years where we all now have a public voice, we have greatly influenced the way people perceive the news. So my question is, what can we do as leaders to help shift that back to a place of integrity and trust? Is there, I believe there's something that we can do, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, speak the truth. Let's start there. Let's speak the truth. And that's not always easy to do, especially during a crisis. The, you might be afraid of panicking people, right? But I think as a leader, if that's perhaps your highest responsibility is to speak the truth to your constituents, to your employees, to your staff, because if you don't, then how are they going to be able to make good decisions? You know, it's sort of like if you're programming a computer, you know, if you put bad data in, you're going to get bad data out, bad outcomes, right? So we have to start with the truth. And and you... but. You can also, even if it's difficult truth that you're sharing with people, you can balance it with optimism. And that's what we tell leaders. And that's what I've seen successful leaders do during disasters and, and, and crises. Um, I saw that happen in my community of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, after Hurricane Katrina. I mean, that town was virtually wiped off the map. Um, 95% of it was underwater. 75% of the homes and businesses were heavily damaged or destroyed. And and there are many people who, you know, would have said, forget about it. This this place is done. Um, and, and a lot of people left. But the mayor of our town, Eddie Favre, he had, he had grown up in, in Bay St. Louis, knew and loved the place. And he had just this wonderful way of balancing the truth, sharing the facts, but with optimism. Um, 
to share a couple of quick stories. Uh, about a month or so after Katrina hit, I was walking with him through the debris of, of downtown, and he came across a woman um, who, she was in her 70s, and she ran up and embraced him, and she told him that she and her husband were back for a visit. Uh, she said, oh, Eddie, you know, we were back for a visit, and we are, I got to tell you, we're now residents of Charleston, South Carolina. And Eddie stopped her, <clears throat> wagging his finger, and went, no, 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 you are visitors to Charleston, okay, visitors. He was always making it clear that Bay St. Louis would not die as bad as things looked, that we were going to get through it. And I love what he used to tell everyone. He'd say, you know, we may not have houses, but everyone here has a home. And we may have lost everything, but we still have each other. And every day, as long as it's a little bit better today than it was yesterday, we're on the right track. That used to bring tears to my eyes, but it kept people going. You know, it was that just that perfect mix of, okay, things are bad. They are really bad, but we're here, we're together, we're supporting one another, and we are going to get through it. And, and Beverly, I just think that is, it's having that kind of courage. That's part of what you signed on to, to display as a leader. You know, if you took a leadership role, um, you didn't sign up to lead from the rear. Um, you signed up to, you know, do the hard work. And so being honest and being courageous, being optimistic, it's, it's not easy. But, you know, what you can do, too, what's so important is when you're in these difficult times, as we are, as Bay St. Louis was after Katrina, then you, as Eddie said, you know, every day it's a little bit better than it was yesterday and we're on the right track. So you would celebrate, celebrate the little victories. And that's what we have to keep doing right now and what leaders need to as we move through this. Um, every little improvement, you know, hey, that, send that out an amazing. email, have a party, praise the person who, who made that great decision that got you to where you are. You know, maybe you're only... 20 feet ahead of where you were yesterday, but you're moving in the right direction. And that helps engender hope. And so if you have honesty, then you have trust. And, and people don't want to hear BS, you know, and they know it, I think, especially today. I think people can tell when someone is painting an overly rosy picture for them. Um, they're big kids, you know, they can handle it. So trust your, your whatever, your, your voters, your constituents, your staff, your workers, and, and they're going to be more likely to trust you and to work hard for you. Wow. That's, that is a lot of nuggets in that. And I, I know that, gosh, it's so easy to talk to you. We could talk for hours, <laughs> but what I want to do as we head for a wrap is, is just hear from you. I love your stories. And I'd like to hear from you a couple lessons that you carry with you from watching uh, superb leadership under pressure. A couple of things. Uh, the ability to adapt. Okay, that has been crucial during the pandemic. It's crucial during every disaster. But the, that ability to pivot, and we've all done that throughout the pandemic, right? From life as it was, work as it was, to what it is now. So that's a huge key to being a successful leader, running a successful business, a successful enterprise. 
And as we look to the future and getting through um, this crisis and, and, and other crises, I, I think it's important to see them as something that you've learned that you learn from they change you so see that as an opportunity um as difficult as it was we we have learned new ways of of working of living we've learned that just because something has never been done doesn't mean it can't be done all right so that that was a really valuable lesson and then perhaps something to close on is the you know, at the beginning, I said that disasters reveal people's true natures, for better or for worse. So how you perform in a crisis or a disaster, that's going to be your legacy. That will be your lasting legacy. It will be what people remember about you. Uh, so if you showed up during the pandemic, if you did the right thing, if you spoke the truth, if you led from the front, if you were courageous, people will remember that. And I, I just think a great example of that, again, going back to my Katrina stories, but there was a, a bank on the Mississippi Gulf Coast that, like virtually everything else, was destroyed um, in, in the hurricane, and that was Hancock Bank. And 90% of its branches severely damaged or destroyed. There was no power. The bank had no way of knowing who its customers were, how much they had in their accounts. Um, there was no power. So this was an all-cash economy, right, down there in the debris field. So people needed cash more than anything else. So what did the bank do? They're like, what, how are we going to move forward, right? They went to the bank's charter, and they read it and they found that it focused entirely on serving people, taking care of communities, and the word profit never appeared. So they did something that a lot of people might say was, was crazy. They set up card tables underneath tarps outside of what was left of their, left of their branches up and down the Gulf Coast, and they started giving away money, just giving it away, $200 to anyone who had signed a slip of paper uh, giving their name, their address, and a, and a contact number. So, no, you didn't have to show an ID. So, no ID, no problem. Not a Hancock Bank customer, not a problem. So, by the time they finished, Beverly, and they were just, again, handing out $200 here, $200 there. Sure, here, just fill out this information on a sticky tab <clears throat> and get it back to us. Just pay us back when you can. They gave out 42 million dollars. Wow. And this sustained the people of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, kept the economy afloat. Now, again, you would say that was certifiable. What a stupid thing to do. That money is gone. $42 million flushed down the drain, right? <clears throat> well, within three years, all but $200,000 of those loans, and that's 99.5%, had been paid back. A funny thing happened. Within months of the hurricane, 13,000 new accounts were open at Hancock Bank, and deposits had risen by $1.5 billion, billion with a B. Remarkable, right? Yes. Because Remarkable. they didn't do what most people 
would say was the smart thing for the bottom line. Um, you know, what actuaries would say, oh, yes, this, this will make us a profit. They did the crazy thing. They thought outside the box. They put people first, community first, the good of the Gulf Coast first. And it paid off. So I think in times of crisis, do the right thing. Put people first. Be courageous. Speak the truth. That's what leaders do. You said it all. And I, I know that our listeners want to hear more and know how they can reach you. You are a speaker globally and certainly nationally as well. And uh, Kathleen Koch. Dot KathleenCoke.com. So K A T H L E E N K O C H dot com. KathleenCoke.com. Um, yes. I do public speaking all around the country and the world, and I will do it virtually for those who um, who still feel that's uh, that's important, and and in many places it still is. I am fully vaccinated, so I am ready to start doing events in person when people believe that's safe. Uh, I also, you know, I'm still running Leaders Link, a terrific nonprofit. We didn't fundraise this year, Beverly. We felt the economy was struggling so greatly that uh, we we set that aside. But, you know, you can go to leaderslink.org and make a donation. We would be happy to have it uh, to use to help continue to help communities after disasters. And we help them by helping their leaders be better leaders, uh, by giving them someone they can turn to uh, who's been through it and who can share, uh, you know, hey, this is what worked for me. This is what didn't. Don't make the same mistakes we did. Uh, And we're here to support you. We got your back. What a phenomenal episode this has been. And I want to thank you so much for being part of the High Road to Leadership today. All these uh, links that you mentioned will be in the show notes for our listeners. And I want to thank you so much. Thank you for being a dealer in hope and, and always giving us the message that the best is yet to come. Thank you, Beverly. 